Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 11 of Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to be reading verses 7 and 8. And Jehovah said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of Jehovah. Now, we began to discuss this verse in our last study, but um, we're, we're going to look at it a little closer before we move on in Genesis 6, 7. And Jehovah said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. And then he mentions man, beast, creeping thing, and fowls of the air, four groups of living creatures that would represent all life, all of creation, all the creatures he has made, but also especially unsaved mankind that inhabits the whole earth, the four points to the four points of the compass. Uh, The judgment will impact man in the north and the south and east and the west. There's nowhere uh, a sinner can go to hide from the wrath of God. God's wrath will find them. And the floodwaters accomplish that. We can see that God is no respecter of persons. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And so he poured out his wrath. And there were some, you know, thinking about it. Remember, in the book of Obadiah, the Lord speaks of those that attempt to climb up into heaven in order to escape him. And yet the Lord says in Obadiah 3, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith Jehovah. And it's interesting that when God brought the flood, man's response would have been, go higher. Let's find the highest ground. And as we um, spoke of a few studies ago, uh, that cave in Indonesia was way above sea level. I think it was fifteen or 1,600 feet. And a family had fled to there, and yet the flood reached it because the floodwaters rose 15 cubits above the highest mountain. There was nowhere for man or beast or creeping thing or the fowls to flee. The flood would destroy every creature with the breath of life on the face of the earth. And that word destroy that the Lord uses here in Genesis 6 verse 7 is not 
the typical word for destroy. This word is 4229 in the Hebrew of Strong's Concordance, and it's often translated as blot out. For instance, in Deuteronomy 29, beginning in verse 18, it says, lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from Jehovah our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it come to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. Jehovah will not spare him, but then the anger of Jehovah and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and Jehovah shall blot out his name from under heaven. And the same Hebrew word is found here, translated as blot out. Blot out his name from under heaven. It's a removal. This uh, sinner's name was found, but it's blotted out from under heaven, and it's no longer found. It says in Psalm 9, in verse 5, Thou hast rebuked the heathen, Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. When God does destroy the sinner, he is annihilated. He perishes and and he's cut off. He ceases to exist. He is put out. His name is removed eternally. There is no record of him. There, There is uh, no remembrance of him. There is nothing left of the sinner. It is a total and complete annihilation. In Psalm 69, it says, beginning in verse 24, so we can see the context and, and who the Lord is speaking of, pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrathful anger Take hold of them, let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. For they persecute him whom thou hast smitten, and they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. Add iniquity unto their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous." And again, the word blotted out is our word translated as destroyed in Genesis 6, 7. But here, God is saying in Psalm 69, verse 28, of the offenders, the sinners, the ones that have no Savior, let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. And what book is God referring to? He's referring to the book of life, the the original book of life from a creation standpoint. When God created Adam, it was as though mankind 
had their names written in a book of life. They had access to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. They had not sinned. Therefore, they would not die. They would continue to live. And so, there's a book of life. But then, man sins, beginning with Eve and Adam. Mankind sins. Um, from that point on, they're conceived in sin, born speaking lies. And you cannot bring a clean out of an unclean. So, so man is contaminated through the fall and, and is a sinner for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And their sin, when God comes and, and sees their sin, he responds in anger and blots their name out of the book of the living out of the book of life from the creation standpoint. They're no longer written in that book. When when God goes to look at that book, he, he finds uh, no names of these people anymore because of their sin. And even when it comes down to the final judgment, and actually the judgment of man has been ongoing throughout history, but in Revelation 20, It says in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Go down to verse 15 of Revelation 20. And it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. So, if God blotted out their names out of the book of living, would their name be found written in the in the book of life? Well, no. It's been blotted out. And uh, just like when you make a mistake, um, when writing something today, uh, and you get some white out, and you go over top of the blue or black ink that the the mistake you had made, and you white it out. So now um, it, it becomes the same color as the rest of the paper, and you can't read it. You can't see if someone's name was there or whatever was there. It it's been blotted out, and and so God had the names of. All the masses from mankind written in the book of the living. He blotted them out because of their sin. And he also says back in Psalm 69, 28, let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. That would be the Lamb's book of life. They're, they're blotted out of one book that all mankind had um part in or had their name recorded and and yet for certain individuals for those blessed chosen ones the elect of god their names are written in the lamb's book the book of the righteous the lamb's book of life and and so when god brings judgment the books are open, 
and he finds, as he does search, because he's a thorough and just God, and and uh, legality requires it, let's see if there is any place where their name is written, and he checks the original book of life from the creation standpoint, they're not found. Their names have been blotted out. The, the names of the sinners are all gone. Then he turns to the Lamb's book of life, and there he only finds certain names, the, the names of those that were predestinated before the foundation of the world. As it says in Revelation 13 and verse 8, in the time when the beast ascends up out of the sea during the great tribulation, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, the beast, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Their names are not written in that book and were blotted out of the other book, again, from the original creation. See, there's a difference there. To not have your name written in one book and to have it blotted out of the other. It was previously written in the book of life from the creation standpoint, but blotted out. It was never written in the Lamb's book of life, and therefore no need to blot it out. You're just not found there. Your uh, your register, uh, as it said in, uh, I think it was either Nehemiah or Ezra, where they did search, and uh, some who claimed to be of Levites or of the priestly order, and their names were not recorded. They're, they're not found there. They're not of that family, not of that tribe. So when God searches the books... He cannot find their names anywhere. Again, they've been removed where they once were written, and they've never been written down in the other book of the Lord Jesus, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And and so when God says here in Genesis chapter 6, in verse Seven And Jehovah said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth. It is a reference to blotting out their name from the book of life from the creation standpoint. That's why he makes reference to creating them. And um, again, man was created originally good without sin and would live. And so they were in the book of life, but sin causes them to be blotted out. Well, all right, let's go on and uh, look at the next verse. We we already spoke of how, um, where it says, for it repenteth me that I have made them, that uh, that repent in that case means God is changing course, he did create man to inhabit the earth. He gave the command um, to multiply and replenish the earth. And now he is turning about to destroy them. And in that sense, in that sense only, he's repenting, turning from the original course of action, but all again within 
the overall sovereign will of God. He hasn't discovered an error or a mistake that he had made, that he had intended to go down this way and thought things would be different and now must turn about. No, it's not that. It's all in keeping with his perfect plan. And in that perfect plan, God willed that he would repent of courses of action at particular moments or periods of time, and this is one of them. And again, it has nothing to do with sin. God is not a man that he should lie or repent. He he never repents because he's guilty of sin. That's why that statement is made, that he is not a man to lie or repent. Okay, going on to the next verse, verse 8. We we really uh, read of some good news, some uh, wonderful news. Everything has been pretty bleak, uh, pretty dark, and um, terrible that God is going to blot out man. But now comes a, a light shining in that darkness, as it says in Genesis 6, verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of Jehovah. Noah found grace. And this is the first time in the Bible that the word grace is found. It, it uh, was not found in connection with Adam and Eve, that, that this particular word. It was not found even in connection with Abel. Concerning him, God had said he he had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but and and elsewhere we read that Abel was righteous, but there was no mention of grace regarding Abel. With Enoch, we we did read of faith that um, he walked with God, and and we saw that that was related to walking with faith. But this is the first time that grace makes an appearance. The, the word itself is um, in evidence in the Bible regarding Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of Jehovah. And what does it mean? Well, it means that Noah was a sinner like everyone else. That's the first thing. The word grace tells us because grace is a word that identifies with unmerited favor. That is, that a person receives grace from God who doesn't deserve it, who has not earned it, and who is not worthy of it. That is, there is no goodness in Noah, there is no righteousness in Noah, There is nothing in the man, Noah, that would cause or make God extend the scepter of grace and favor towards him and spare him, unlike all the other people in the world. And we do know that because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, that he will be delivered from the flood. God is actually going to use him mightily to construct the ark so that all to be delivered will be delivered, which 
amounts to Noah's entire family, or all the family we know about, of eight souls, his wife, three sons and their wives, and they are saved through the construction of the ark. But but God specifically tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, which means Noah was saved. Noah was a true child of God, and he was a sinner like anyone else, but but because of God's salvation program, and from the rest of the Bible, we know what that is, before the world was, before the foundation of the world, God chose Noah, he predestinated him to become saved, because man on of his own volition, his own accord, cannot do right in the eyes of God. He will always fall short of the glory of God, and and man cannot get himself saved. God must do the saving. So God determined to save Noah, and in Noah's life, we don't know exactly when he found grace. Of course, from the before the foundation of the world, he was chosen, but it's different for everyone that God has chosen from before the foundation of the world. It could be as a child, like John the Baptist. It could be at the end of life, like the thief on the cross, or anywhere in between. And yet, given the context here, that the Lord is speaking of the 120-year period, it's possible that at the beginning of this period, that God uh, saved Noah, and it's at the point of his saving that he would have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And and then from that point, he has a new heart and a new spirit. He's a new creature. Uh, uh, he, has, he possesses a new born-again soul. It, it's exactly the same with Noah as it is with the child of God in our time concerning the work that God performs in taking out the heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh. Noah was born again. He had the same new resurrected soul, the perfect spirit that each child of God saved today has. And God here is letting us know. He's letting us know. He's letting all who read the Bible know, all who have eyes to see know, that Noah was no different than anyone else, uh, yet, according to God's own good pleasure, for no other reason, it just, just as God chose Jacob over Esau before they were born, before either had done any works, good or bad, God made choice. Likewise, with Noah, there, there was nothing Noah was doing. That, that's why God is telling us this. It, he, he was a sinner like anyone else. It, 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 children of, uh, of wrath even as others, as Ephesians tells us. That's the nature of each child of God. We are, um, chief of sinners, as the Apostle Paul says. There is nothing in us whatsoever that would lead God to delight in us or, or to look favorably down upon us over against others, except 
his good pleasure. For whatever reason, before the world was, God made choice. He elected certain individuals, and one of them was Noah. And, and, and then when time unfolded and Noah was born into the world in the precise plan of God at the appropriate time, the Lord applied that salvation through the hearing of his word to Noah, and he was saved. And now uh, he is a servant of God, a child of God, uh, with a heart desirous to do the will of God. He would, of course, be obedient to God, as God will instruct him to build the ark. Uh, can you imagine if Noah was an unsaved man and God gave these commandments that would bring scorn and ridicule and mocking upon him and he would be an outcast and considered a lunatic and, and a crazy amongst the people and uh, there there is much difficulty, there will be much affliction and tribulation over the course of the next 120 years when the ark is to be constructed and an unsaved individual would flee. Uh, he would give up. He would run away. He would go back to the world. He would uh, do whatever he could to get out from under that kind of scorn and, and being despised for the word's sake, for God's sake, for the kingdom of heaven's sake. That is not for the natural man. The natural man fears and is terrified of the wrath of his fellow man and being looked down upon. No, it was, it was needful. It was necessary. Noah be a true man, a true child of God who would endure, endure throughout the entire um, preparation and construction of the ark until it was completed to do all that God required to be done, and then finally enter into the ark himself with his family. And and so, right from the start, he finds grace in the eyes of Jehovah. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.